Amen. Well, I do have a word from the Lord for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that your presence is evident. We thank you, God, that you are here and that you are in control. Lord, I pray, God, that every lie of the enemy will be silenced now. Silence our minds and our hearts. Prepare our hearts, Father, to receive your word with great faith and expectancy. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, come on, a little better than that. In Jesus' name, amen. Help me out here. Help the preacher. All right, real quick. Uh, I have a question before we start out, and the question is, Matter of fact, why don't you ask the person next to you? Ask the person next to you, do you have protection? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. We are in church. What I mean by that, ask them, do you have your armor on? That's a little better, huh? <laughs> Lord, help us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start at verse number 10. Just going to read 10 and 11 right now. Very familiar verses of Scripture. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, in this text, Paul is warming, warning us to protect ourselves against our enemy. He tells us to put on the full armor of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen in any military battle someone go out half-dressed. They have taken meticulous time to prepare themselves for battle. Amen? They put on their full armor. Now, this implies that if we neglect putting on any piece of armor, we will leave ourselves vulnerable and cause us to fall. Also, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, you don't have to turn there, but Paul reminds us that our Heavenly Father has not left us unaware or unprepared for the devil's schemes. So if anybody's feeling a little anxious about warfare, I want your anxiety level to drop. Our Heavenly Father has already prepared us. Amen? Now, in the King James Version, they use the word wiles. I like that, I like that translation. So uh, in researching the word wiles, I discovered that it is a compound word of meta and hodos. The word meta is a preposition which simply means with. The word hodos is the Greek word for a road. So the enemy literally comes alongside you, walking next to you in an attempt to deceive you on the road you're walking. So quick question, how does the enemy attack us? Which methods does he use? The three most common methods that I often see are distraction, discouragement, and fear. So that's what we're going to deal with today. Now, we seem to be most susceptible to these three methods. However, if we are aware of our weaknesses, then we know how to best prepare for attacks against them. Amen? 
Now, the enemy's best weapon is distraction, and that's his first weapon, so I'm going to spend the most time on that. Would you guys allow me that? All right, so I looked up distraction. The definition is, distraction is the process of diverting the attention of an individual or group from a desired area of focus, thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. Distraction is caused by the lack of ability to pay attention. Parents, can I get an amen? Lack of interest in the object of attention. Or the great intensity, novelty, or attractiveness of something other than the object of attention. Now, I'm going to help you guys out. There are two kinds of distractions. There's external and internal. Just bear with me because I feel like this is going to, a lot of bells are going to go off when I read these. External distractions include factors such as visual triggers. Men, can I get an amen? Social interactions, music, text messages, millennials, phone calls. Now, internal distractions include factors such as hunger, fatigue, illness, worrying, and daydreaming. I'm looking at my daughter back there. Help her with that one, Lord. Both external and internal distractions contribute to the interference of focus. Now, I know that was a lot of information, but I want us to take a moment and just reflect on that. What is your trigger? What distracts you? Now, I don't want you guys to feel like I'm just preaching at you because I get it. I'm, I'm distracted as much as anyone else. My wife will tell you that. Now, doesn't it always feel like there is a pressing need that demands our attention, right? I mean, I think that's the, like the root of it, right? So I want us to go in depth in this story, and I think it'll help us with our distraction. Turn to Luke 10. I'm not going to read very many verses. Luke 10. We're just going to read 38 to 42. Again, a very familiar story. Verse 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't really have to say anything about that. I feel the ouches already. Now, Martha was distracted by many, what I would say are legitimate things that needed to be done. You know, sometimes we look at this story and we judge Martha, but somebody had to clean up. Come on, women, somebody got to clean up. Well, I'm saying that. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. I'm saying that to help you guys. 
So brothers, let's not leave it all to them. Man, y'all was about to lynch me up here. <laughs> However, in the story, we discover that sometimes things that appear urgent can simply be distractions that keep us from spending time with Jesus. Annoyances can also be a form of distraction. You know, the things in our daily lives that appear to just simply be nuisances, those are often veiled attacks of the enemy. 1 Peter 5 and 8, you don't have to turn there. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, this made me ask the question, why does the devil want to distract us from focusing on Jesus? Hey, one obvious reason is that it leaves us unprotected. Specifically, it leaves our most intimate parts unprotected and open for attack. As we read further in Ephesians 6, we see a detailed description of our protection against the enemy. And I'm going to get into that a little bit. I'm not going to do an exhaustive explanation of each piece of armor, but I just want to highlight a few points about each piece. Will you guys allow me that? All right. Ephesians 6 and 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So God's word is our firm foundation. It's a firm foundation that keeps us from falling. God's word actually is the core of our being. Now, uh, some of you guys play sports. You might be able to uh, relate to this. I remember when I was playing basketball in high school, they taught us how to play defense. And I know they don't play that now, but uh, they, they taught us how to play defense. And one of the things they taught us to do was to focus on the waist of your opponent. Look at their waist. And sometimes, you know, some people can be really tricky, so their heads and their arms are going all over the place, right? And it can distract you, right? But he told me, focus, my coach said, focus on their waist. No matter how much they're moving, eventually when their waist moves, their whole body moves. So for us as Christians, when the word of God, the truth of God is our firm foundation, no matter what around us is moving, no matter what darts are coming at us, as long as you stay cling to that firm foundation of the word, you won't move. Amen. It's all right. You can give him a hand praise for that. Amen. Another reason the enemy attempts to distract us is to prevent us from becoming more like Jesus. When we focus intently on something, we become like it. Now, in the military, they are adamant about removing distractions, right? Just so that everyone can become model soldiers. Well, they even make you, everyone look the same, right? You got to cut your hair. You got to wear the same uh, uniform. Now, the mentality of a soldier, think about this for a minute. His mind is fixed on accomplishing his assigned mission. He's not focused on his own needs. Let me say that last line one more time. He is not focused on his own needs. I think some of us have forgotten that we're in a battle. As soon as we wake up, Lord, I need this, I need that, I need this, move this, move this person, fire that person, move it. We got our list, right? But we have to remember we are in a battle and we're soldiers. 
Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else that we're worried about, it'll be added unto you. A person wearing the armor of God is not slack or indifferent to the forces that he knows will come. He actually is anticipating an attack. He is vigilant. Let me ask you a question. Have you been anticipating your attack? Or have you been caught off guard? Ephesians 6.14, the second part of that, it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this symbolizes our hearts. Obedience to the truth is our protection against the schemes of the enemy. When we obey what we know is right, it protects our heart. That's the most intimate part of us. That's the breastplate of righteousness. 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You ever tried to pray and didn't have any confidence? Probably, if we trace that back, it's because somewhere we've compromised, right? Once we compromise, it's kind of like, I think I should pray, but I don't know. Maybe. Unrighteousness gives Satan power over the one who practices it. Another reason Satan tries to detract, distract us is so that he can steal the blessing that God has in store for you. John 10.10, 10, right? The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. Now, I'm going to let you guys in on me a little bit. I love animal, uh, uh, animal uh, documentaries, nature. I'll watch it anytime. My family, they don't like it. If they see me watching it, they'll just leave. Um, sometimes I have to bribe them, but it doesn't work. But I love to watch the hunt. Come on, man. Yeah. Something about the hunt, right? I love to watch the hunt. And you know what I often find? that when the lion kills an, another animal, it's prey, there are often these things called uh, scavengers. They're kind of like around the scene of the crime. And they're smaller than the lion, right? So they can't just walk up to him and take it from him. But you know what they do? They just kind of perch off just far enough to keep an eye on him. And they're watching him like a hawk. And then... It's like it's orchestrated. One will come on one side and try to snatch a piece. And then what? The lion's attention, he's distracted now. He's no longer looking at his kill. He's no longer looking at what he worked for. He's no longer looking at what he labored for. He's distracted. Can't let one of them get it. And then they keep picking at him, picking at him, picking at him. And so many times when I'm watching these shows, Either the lion will only get a small piece or he'll lose his whole kill. I'm going to let that sit in. The strategy is designed to distract you just enough to leave your blessing unguarded and vulnerable enough to be stolen. Can't say amen, say ouch. That was a lot of ouches. I didn't expect that. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm spending a lot of time on distraction because I, I get it. Um, me, oftentimes, when I wake up in the morning, 
my distraction is money. So I'm thinking about how much money I need to make today in order for us to survive. But then that little, that little small voice in my ear says, but come spend time with me. And I'm like, but I got all these bills. Like AT&T ain't trying to hear it. You know what I mean? And I feel that tug of war. So I share that with you to know I'm, I'm let you know I'm in it with you. Another example is the story of uh, Samson and Delilah. Remember that one? You know what got me? Samson allowed himself to get so familiar with Delilah that even though he was getting vexed with her questioning, y'all remember that part? His spiritual antennas didn't go off. That, that, that blows my mind. Or worse, maybe they did go off, but he just kind of took the grace of God for granted. And I can relate to that. How many times do we take the grace of God for granted? How many times do we compromise with someone we know we should not be with? Sisters, give me an amen. Or ouch, something. Brothers, too. Uh, there it is. There it is. Hey, we got to be equal in here. Hey, Amen. I want to keep you too long. Let me move to the next one. Discouragement. Discouragement is when I'm not seeing the fruit that I desire from serving the Lord. You know, sometimes it looks like things aren't moving forward, and even worse, nobody seems to care. You know, we have a brother in the Bible that can relate. His name is Asaph. Psalm 73, you guys read that one? Asaph got so discouraged when it looked like everybody else was moving forward but him. Can we relate? Everybody else is getting married but me. You know what I mean? Like, this person, they got a house, but I know what they do on the side. Oh, I shouldn't say that. But he got discouraged because he started to compare himself. And it's like, man, Lord, how long? Why does the enemy attack us with discourage, discouragement? When we are discouraged, we aren't in any shape for battle. You can't preach to or encourage anyone else when you are discouraged yourself. Amen? Think about it. If you were the enemy, what would you do? It works like a charm every single time. How many Golden State Warriors fans we have in here? Best team ever, right? Come on, that's settled. Three and four is done. You know what I like, though? When they get a play that works, they don't change their strategy. They just keep milking it. Give it to Kevin Durant on the mid post. And it's a bucket, right? The enemy is the same way. When he finds that button, he's going to keep pressing it. It works 10 out of 10 times. Hey, I got to keep it real in here. Now, battle positioning. When you are in battle, you got to be ready to move quickly, right? But if you aren't whole, it will affect your ability to accomplish your mission. 
Shoes are very important. In the military, they constantly bring them new shoes, right? Because it will hamper them, their ability to move. You got to be able to move fast. When the general says, we're out of here now, a strike is coming. You got to be able to move quickly, right? In Ephesians 6.15, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, the one who brings the gospel to others must be able to suffer hardship for the sake of the gospel. You guys ever read that? Yeah, I read that in the Bible. You got to be able to suffer hardship. Oh, y'all skipped over that part. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. If we are touchy and sensitive, then we will quickly disqualify ourselves from battle. Our skin should be tough, able to take offenses with the same grace that God applies to us. Otherwise, we will always feel like we are walking on grass, on glass, and sharp stones with, bare, with our bare feet. Um, I know many of us have aspirations to do great things for God, but before you do that, please take inventory and make sure that you allow him to heal you first. We have to be whole, guys. We have to be whole. So many have shipwrecked the gospel because they've tried to do great things for God, but they weren't whole. We have to be whole. Last one, fear. How many can relate to that one? Oftentimes, it's, it's simply I'm afraid to do what God has called me to do. I got an amen back there. When we step out on faith to do what we know God has called us to do, immediately the enemy attacks us with fear. Maybe you heard God wrong. What did he tell Eve? Did God really say? You know, God will tell you some outlandish stuff. Anybody ever experienced that? And then you told somebody else, and you realize how outlandish it was? <laughs> and immediately what? Fear grips your heart. Why does the enemy attack us with fear? To prevent us from demonstrating our complete trust in the Lord. Our faith is more important than anything we could ever do for God. He wants our faith to be perfected. You know, I, I think Abraham faced this too. You know, when God told him to sacrifice his only son? You know, what got me about that is Lord, I cried over this son. I waited years over this son. I was ridiculed because I didn't have a son. How many can relate to that? When God asks you to sacrifice the very thing that you've waited years for. You know, fear leads to sin. Sin is when our earthly desires compel us to do things that we know displeases God. You know, it's, it's not a bad desire to, to want to be married, to have a mate. That's not a bad desire. But it becomes sin when we take it into our own hands, right? Instead of waiting for the one that God has prepared for you, sometimes what do we do? We go before him. Say, God, I'm going to help you out a little bit. I like him this height. This shape and this kind of job, right? 
And once we see that, it's over. The deal is done, right? And we don't recognize that we're not walking in faith. We're actually walking in fear. Ephesians 6, 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I might not get a lot of amens on this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. Faith always goes against our lusts. In every temptation, Satan sends his flaming darts into our mind, which has power, uh, which has the power to help us decide whether we're going to obey God or obey the lust of our flesh. At the end of the day, do you trust God? Do you believe that he knows how to satisfy you with good things? It's simple as that. Like, we try to complicate things. You know, everything in this uh, generation now is there's no absolute absolutes, right? There's many ways to do whatever we want, many ways to God, many ways to serve God. No, it's only one way. It's only one way. I'm going to help you out so you don't have to go to years of therapy, take all these classes that only confuse you more, Right? Simple faith. Do you believe? Romans 14, 23 says that everything not done from a place of faith is sin. Pastor Sonny reminded us in our sermon last week that we are fighting the good fight of faith. The enemy is after our faith. If he can get you to stop believing, if he can get you to stop contending for the perfect will of God, He's stolen your carcass. He's stolen your blessing. If you are making decisions based on fear, let me help you out. You're never going to accomplish much for the Lord. I will say this, though. You will lead a safe life. It'll be safe. It'll be lukewarm, right? You won't really be a threat to the devil. I mean, we've all seen people like that, right? We don't want to be that. But we want to be people that don't shrink back, but that move forward. You guys still with me? Is this too heavy? Say amen if it's good. All right, y'all helping me out. Auntie Jackie got my back. Amen. Not too much longer. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is hard and resistant to everything that rains down upon it in the air. You know, you see those old uh, military movies where they throw those arrows, and they go really high, and then they come down, and they catch so many people that are unprotected in the head. So that's why they wear the helmet, the helmet of salvation. It protects us from things that are above. Oh, yeah, that's right. Aren't we fighting spiritual wickedness in high places? And yeah, yeah. So maybe I better... Put that helmet of salvation on. That's a good idea. You know what it also does? It protects us. We can always stand on the finished work of Christ. You know, the enemy is going to always condemn you. Let's just get that out. I don't care how long you've been saved, how much you've done for him. He's always going to condemn you, tell you you're still not good enough, you're not worthy. God's not going to do that for you. Maybe them, but not you. Right? But the helmet of salvation is our trust in the finished work 
that Jesus did on the cross. All right, enough of all this defensive talk. How many like offense? I know you've been waiting for that part. But let me say this before I go to offense. Please do not go to offense without doing defense first. Every step that we talked about in putting on the full armor of God, you'll disqualify yourself if you try to go on the offensive without that. That's just basic war fundamentals, right? (laughs) So, offensive, sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, the sword of the spirit ain't no joke. That's our offensive weapon against the enemy. The word of God can put whole armies of devils to flight. So our confidence is not in ourselves, right? It's in the word of God. What does our pastors like almost beat over our heads every Sunday? Meditate on the word of God. It's so simple. So simple, but we forget we're in a battle. So we don't meditate. We go out with maybe half armor or some of us none at all. This message is not to condemn anybody. This is not about condemnation. This is actually the Lord trying to wake us up. Stay woke, right? We got to stay woke. How about staying woke spiritually? We do that last. You know, we want to fight social justice first. Let's stay woke spiritually first. That will empower us to fight in social justice. We got to stay woke spiritually. The enemy is trying to distract you, get you focused on that person that is doing you wrong on the job, get you focused on that family member that constantly puts you down, get you focused on this governmental system that is so corrupt. If he can get you distracted and focused on that thing, you are not fighting the war, the spiritual battle of the Lord. We got our sword down. We put our sword down, and many of us don't even have our armor on. So the Lord is trying to wake us up, and he's saying, put your armor back on. Every morning, put that armor back on. And as you put your armor back on, that qualifies you to be on the offensive, to be on the offensive to use the word of God to cut the enemy down. Last thing I want to share, I know that this is a word for the Lord because the enemy has been fighting my family. Oftentimes, the enemy will use that progression, distraction, discouragement, and then to fear. And, you know, we go through that cycle, but, you know, we, the Lord gives us grace to overcome it as we put on the armor and as we speak. But I've been noticing a greater intensity in the attack, specifically this week, even in the form of dreams, dreams that torment and attempt to bring fear. And um, it's funny, my wife and I, we didn't even know that we were going through a similar experience. And when she shared her experience with me, it actually encouraged me. And I'm going to tell you why. When you are fighting someone 
if at any point in that fight they appear desperate, don't you get encouraged? Right? I must be doing something because you're scared right now. And so the, the, the attacks that the enemy has been trying to bring on us is where he gets to the point to where, okay, I tried distraction, that didn't work. I tried discouragement, that didn't work. So now I'm coming out full on fear. I'm going to try to intimidate you. I'm just going to speak the lie straight to your face. And you know what? Both of us were able to silence those lies by speaking the word directly to them. And I say that to encourage you because I know some of you guys have been fighting that same battle. And if he's given us victory, he's no respecter of persons. The same God that will do it for me will do it for you. He loves you just as much. Don't allow the lies of the enemy to take place. Because like I said in the beginning, we're not unaware, right? He said, I've prepared you. I've let you know what's coming. So now let us all do the work of putting on our armor every day. Meditating on that word every day, allowing the truth of God to be our anchor, the belt. Remember I said if the belt is that core that doesn't move, let's keep our, our minds focused on the truth of God so that we're not moved. Let's keep our hearts saved by obeying the truth of God, right? Let's keep our feet healthy by if you need help, ask for it. If someone hurts you, go to them. Don't let it fester. Don't let it linger. Also, using that shield of faith, right? Quenching every fiery dart. No matter what I see, I believe. No matter what I see, I believe. The helmet of salvation is not me. It's not my work. It's his work. He qualified me. He loved me enough to pay for every one of my sins. And because of that, I'm saved. And then, sword of the Spirit, cut down every lie with it. Cut down every accusation with it. When I'm feeling a certain way, whoa, where did this come from? This didn't come from God. Don't receive it. Don't receive it. In the moment, judge it. In the moment, whatever you're feeling. Don't be like Drake. Don't get all in your feelings. Why am I feeling this way? Right? We know the schemes. We know the wiles. We know the attacks of the enemy, so let's not fall for it anymore. Let's grow up into maturity, right? Right?